In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When was the last time that you held a newborn baby in your hands? For some of us, it may have been quite a while ago. For others, it may be a very recent experience. But if you're like me, when you hold that newborn baby in your hand, you are aware of a miracle. A miracle here and now, a miracle in your hands. Because what else could explain that a little tiny human being is born and we're able to hold it? It is truly a miracle. We don't understand exactly how all of it works. We have some idea about how this process of baby making begins. We know probably even more uh, about or even less about the process of gestation, unless you're a doctor or unless you're someone that likes to read about that. But the whole process until the baby is Uh, coming to us is just a mystery and it just seems like it has to be something else that's why those stories of storks are around because the whole thing just seems unreasonable and it just doesn't seem to fit none of us walk around on a daily basis and think about our parents and how the process began that's a long time ago isn't it It just doesn't seem to fit somehow. But it is true. It's absolutely true. Every one of us are a testament to this miracle of birth. We take it for granted. We don't even think about it very much. There is a greater miracle that we proclaim as Christians in this season of Advent and at Christmas. And it is the miracle of God's birth. That is a different type of miracle. Some people just simply can't believe it. But of course they shouldn't be so critical because who are any of us to say what the freedom of divinity can do and not do? You would have to be divine yourself to be able to say, oh, this could never happen. You'd have to be God in order to say, God can't do this. So that argument is out. You know, the person who did the major work on DNA was an atheist when he began his work. Fred Hoyle is his name. As he saw this miracle of DNA unfold before him, he knew that there must be a divine being that created all of this. He said it would be like if a tornado went through a junkyard And at the end of the tornado, a 747 jet was produced. And even greater than that. And so he came to faith, he came to belief in this type of miracle. And so today and on Saturday and on Sunday, we will proclaim in the words of C.S. Lewis, the eternal being meaning God, the eternal being who knows everything, who created the whole universe, became not only a man, but before that a baby, and before that a fetus inside a mother's womb. 
That's the miracle that we proclaim. That in the freedom of divinity, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God was born of the Virgin Mary. It's a part of our great, great story. N.T. Wright reminds us that birth matters, but resurrection matters more. Without the resurrection, no one would have told the story of Christmas. And that is so true. We are recounting this story in this service of lessons and carols. It is the story of God's salvation, the story of the creation and the mystery of being created out of nothing by God's power and his creative will, his love. It is the story of those who bearing his image turned against him and in that rebellion, sin and death and corruption come to rule over his good creation. It is his will and intention to restore the creation. He begins that long story by calling someone named Abraham and Sarah and his family making a covenant that would last for generations and generations. That his faithfulness to his people and his covenant would finally produce the quintessential Israelite who will do God's will. And that is Jesus, the son of God, but also the son of David. And so the story of Israel comes to a climax in the birth of the son of David, but also the birth of the son of God, who could save not only Israel, but in fact, all the nations of the world and the cosmos to boot. And so this story goes on and on. We're celebrating just the beginning of the rescue mission today as we end with the birth of Christ. But this story continues to go on. It's not finished yet. It's not finished until Christ and the Spirit renew all of us and this whole creation and the new heavens and the new earth that descends from heaven as a bride adorned for her husband and death and pain and sorrow are no more, but life everlasting. And so we are a part of this great story. Almost a year ago, I was able to go and observe and touch and feel and smell the Holy Land. It's called the fifth gospel, the fifth gospel because you can actually see where these things took place. You can see it and touch it and you can smell the air and it brings everything to life. It's not just a story, it's, re it's true, it's reality. It really happened and this is exactly where it happened. If you ever get a chance to go to the Holy Land, you should take the risk to do it. What if you die in the Holy Land? What better place than to die in than the Holy Land? If the Lord's gonna raise up everything, you can be in Israel or, or Turkey or uh, you know Jordan. You can be in these places as well as you can be in Houston. So, but to live and feel and breathe where this story really happened. It's a story for sure, but it really happened. 
It brings it all together. So we're called by God to not only believe the story, but enter into the story to see Abraham and Sarah all the way down the line to Jesus to be part of our family. So when we read these family stories, they're talking about us. These are just our older brothers and sisters. Christ is our God, but certainly our brother as well. So enter into the story of God's victory over sin and death and be a part of this story in your own day and time. Amen.